It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. One of the most listened to analysts on the street. Mike Mayo joins us, Wells Fargo, head of U.S. large cap bank research. Mike, great to get you in studio. Thanks so much for coming in. What's your take now that we've seen, um, for the most part, all of the big banks and uh, Goldman Sachs, seemingly the worst among them? How does it look to you? Well, let's go from the the big picture to the specific. This idea that banks are going to have a big liquidity, capital, or solvency issue is off the table with the bank earnings. The industry has turned a page. There's still earnings issues. I've still taken my estimates lower, but as far as those big picture issues, you had all sorts of hocus pocus math, accounting, financial analysis, after Silicon Valley and First Republic failed, and they said, look out for all these other banks, it's not happening. So this bank crisis discount without a crisis creates an opportunity for the banks in general. Having said that, Goldman Sachs in particular, they're in a unique stage of their corporate life cycle. Uh, This was the worst quarter under David Solomon, aside from one quarter during the pandemic. And this is a big strategic pivot. So you have short-term pain for potential long-term gain. The question is how long-term, how many years? Solomon was saying, as Shanali pointed out, you know, investment banking is part of their DNA. It's part of their corporate economy, right? And he said, it's been bad for a couple of quarters, but it's going to come back and it's going to look much better on the other side of this cycle. How soon do you think that is? You know, our estimates for capital markets and investment banking for coming back in a major way is delayed for a bit longer. I mean, you were coming back, and then you had the Fed increase rates, and then you were coming back again, and you had a few regional banks fail. So there certainly is a lot of pent-up demand, and you are hearing about green shoots from any bank that you talk to, but we still think it stays subdued for most of the rest of the year. So really talk about a 2024 sort of pickup in capital markets activity. You know, it's interesting, in this bank earnings season, you've had two days in a row, KBW Bank Index, every single stock back in the green after steep sell-offs. Yet you still see, even with the jump today, U.S. Bancorp still down almost 12% on the year. Bank of America is negative on the year. It's trading still today under book value. Do they deserve that? 
I mean, I think these are ridiculous valuations. These are some of the, the least expensive valuations aside from a crisis or recession that I've seen in, in over my 30 years of doing this. You certainly have a bank. Hang on, repeat that. In your 30 years of covering these banks, these are the worst valuations and, the, and, and you think um, the furthest away from reality. Yeah, these, these are the worst non-crisis, non-recession valuations that I've seen. So certainly during the global financial crisis, certainly during the pandemic, you know, they were cheaper then. But right now you don't have an impending hard landing recession. You don't have a crisis that's happening right now. You have resiliency of balance sheets and you have estimate revisions lower, but you have relative to the stock market as a whole, price to earnings ratios that are like eight or nine times versus 20 times. So on a relative valuation basis, it's crazy. There's three discounts. One is the bank crisis discount, and the crisis is over if it ever even started. You had three banks fail. The second is the bank recession discount, which still can happen, but why are banks pricing it in and the S&P isn't? And the third is the regulatory discount. There are big regulatory changes coming, but so far the regulators are saying they're going to take a measured approach. They're not mm -hmm. going to cause big problems. Okay, so since we've had a couple days here of the rising tide lifting all boats, you know, you have banks that are rising before even reporting earnings just because the other ones are showing some signs of positivity. My wonder is what has got to give. If you're looking for holes that are still in the system, places that people could lose money if they were to get in right now, what should they still be worried about? Well, look, commercial real estate and especially office, the losses at Goldman Sachs today, the $1.1 billion charge they took, was driven a lot by office investments. They weren't traditional. Some were loans, some were debt security, some were equity investments, but that's office. So office is still going to cause, I think, pain, not only for Goldman Sachs, but for a lot of the industry. Now, some banks have tried to get ahead of this. It's interesting that... Uh, PNC, a regional bank that reported yesterday, they've reserved 11% losses for their multi-tenant office buildings. That's significant pain, so you still have to pay attention to that over the next couple years, absolutely. And you still have to pay attention to next week, there's new capital rules called the uh, Basel III endgame, and that could cause banks to delever even more than they've already delevered. And it that sounds like an impossible, sounds mission like impossible a Marvel title, right? Movie, exactly, Basel III endgame. I have a viewer, uh, uh, Mike, writing in with a question. He asked if Goldman Sachs pivots away from consumer-driven businesses like markets. You know, what do they pivot to? And also, he wants to know: Are there any other U.S. big banks that are going to try and fill that void, um, or are they going to just stick to the Morgan Stanley type of wealth management uh, business? model. Goldman Sachs is going back to the future. They're going back to their roots of over 150 years of serving large wholesale clients. So they have two main businesses and that's global banking and markets and that's general capital markets where they've been a leader for decades. And then they have wealth and asset management where they're trying to serve more high net worth customers and do more with private equity off their balance sheet. And as far as everything else, get rid of it. So they're pivoting back to their areas of greatest strength. Now, who picks up the slack? Well, that's a question for the entire banking industry. And I asked the question to Jamie Dimon on the earnings call uh, last Friday. And I said, what about these new capital regulations? If capital must go up 20% for the banks, 
who gets the business. And by the way, the same week that the vice chairman of the Fed gave a speech about those higher capital requirements, the stock Apollo hit an all-time high. So the business is going Dancing from, in the streets. Dancing in the streets, exactly, is what the CEO, J.B. Diamond, said. So a lot of this business is going to go from the banks to the non-banks. It's already Wait gone minute, there. Though. Yep. The, the real quick question here I have, too, is if the capital rules are going to attack fee-based businesses, this is wealth and asset management, and if they're going to attack trading, how does that lower the ROE on that business over time? Morgan Stanley is about to have a new CEO walk into that dynamic. Goldman Sachs is building a whole business around that dynamic. I wouldn't use the word attack. I mean, I, was, I worked at the Federal Reserve in the late 1980s, and the regulator's job is to prevent situations like we had with the global financial crisis 2007 to 2009. So they're doing the best they can to recalibrate the capital rules that are out there. Um, but they're doing it across the board. So it's not just trading. It's not just fees. It's also loans. So if you require banks to have a lot more capital, then their cost of goods sold goes up, and it makes some profit some customers unprofitable, you say, forget it. And you're hearing from private equity firms saying they're taking over the business that the banks used to do. And here's the important point. The US banking industry is one of the most disintermediated among all countries in the world. In other words, financing by US banks is like 25% of total financing. And so to the extent that you push more business away from banks, it does, it, it reduces the ability of banks to provide a cushion in times of stress. So I think there's, it's, care, it's careful for regulators to strike the right balance between yep. being tough on banks to prevent situations like the global financial crisis, uh, but not pushing so much that you marginalize them. All I right. would die to see him take up coverage of Apollo, wouldn't you? It would be fantastic, <laughs> and maybe someday he will. Mike, great having you on the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your insight. Mike Mayo there of Wells Fargo and to Bloomberg's Shanali Basak, our star Wall Street reporter. Great having you by my side always. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.